right, good morning, transit family. Feel free to grab your seat. Stop being so kind and charitable to your neighbors. I need you to grab a seat. Get ready for the sermon. Who here is having a great New Year so far, great 2023 so far? Amen, me too. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at The Transit. And every January, uh, we take a break from preaching through books of the Bible or sections of books of the Bible, and we do a topical sermon series, usually on the spiritual disciplines. And as the slide shows, today we're, uh, not today, but this month and today, uh, for the month of January, we're doing a five-week sermon series on uh, the voice of God, how God speaks uh, to his people and through his people uh, today, entitled, He is Not Silent. So before we dive into our message today, I want to ask a question. Who here has ever lost your cell phone for an extended period of time? Anyone? Yes. So you know the moment of like terror that comes over you when you're like, I legitimately cannot find my phone. Um, well, uh, as fate would have it during the sermon series, this Thursday that happened to me. And so I walk into my office on a Thursday morning after dropping my kids off at their private school uh, down the street from here. And I uh, am setting up in the office and all of a sudden I'm doing, you know, what you do like the, with your jacket, like the Macarena, you're trying to find your, your phone. I can't find it anywhere. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Nobody, nobody panic. Everyone, you know, relax. And uh, so I look at my office, look at my, my pockets 10 times, my backpack. I'm like, it's, my phone's not here. So I go in my car. I look at my car everywhere, and it's not there. And I'm like, okay, this isn't, nobody panic, but this isn't good. So I go back to the office. I go on iCloud, and my phone says offline. Yeah, that's exactly my response. I was like, that's probably stolen. Someone just turned it off. That's what you do when you steal phones, apparently, is you turn them off so you can't track them. Uh, not that I would know anything about that. But so I rush back. I get in my car. I'm speeding down Etzel Road. And I go to the private school. I go to the office, talk to the administrator. I'm like, hey, anyone find like a cell phone in the parking lot here or whatever? It's blue. It's got a clear screen. If you find it, call me. You can't call me. Email me. Anyways. Um, and so then I leave there, and I'm going back home to look everywhere at the house. Uh, to find my phone. So all to say, you know, I had a, a lot to do on Thursday, but I was like, you know what? Work can wait. I need the comfort. I need the presence. I need the guidance of this phone, and I'm going to seek after it with everything I have. And I'm literally in my neighborhood going back to my house to turn over every couch cushion that's in that house to look for my phone. And I look to my right in between the console and my seat, and there's my phone. <laughs> And I was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like a classic face palm emoji, emoji uh, moment for me. I was like, it was there. How did I miss that? Um, and the reason I share that is I get back to my office, and I'm praying before I dive into sermon prep. And man, the Lord, the Lord really got to me. And what I realized in that moment was I can't go five minutes without the presence on my phone and what it gives me, but I can go days without God, without his presence, without his guidance, without his comfort. I'm so comfortable without God in my life sometimes. And yet with a silly phone, I'll stop everything and I'll chase, I'll speed, man. I'll speed after that thing because I need it, man. I can't live without it. I have to have it. And I will do whatever it takes as long as it takes to find that which I need because, man, I'm, I'm lost without that thing. And I, I broke down weeping Thursday and I really felt the Lord wanted me to share this. So we start and we posture our hearts this morning because here's what, when we're talking about God's voice, the reason I want to share this is that we're not trying to get you to learn a skill. We're trying to get you to love somebody. 
And God doesn't need your ears. He needs your heart. And if God has your heart, then he gets your ears. And so what we need to do is, is not wonder about, you know, our, focus as much on our ears this sermon series as I really feel like this is a call these next five weeks to really posture our hearts. Do we even want God's guidance in our life? Do we need God's guidance in our life? And this isn't, this isn't condemning, as I just shared. The Lord wrecked me in a good way, in a way that I was blind to how, to how um, apathetic and comfortable I can live without him. And so with that, with that said, let me go silent. Thankfully, it's not a Bible, but it's a book I'm going to talk about here. But um, let's go silent and prepare our hearts for the preaching of God's word. And then I'll open us up in prayer. And let's go to God just as we are. The real you has to meet the real God. God isn't surprised by maybe our apathy or some of our sins. It's not new knowledge to him when we come for fresh forgiveness. He's not in the business of condemnation. He's in the business of conviction, which leads to life. His conviction that he gives is the best thing he can give us because sin leads to destruction. He wants us to be walking on the path of everlasting life. So let's, let's go uh, to our Lord today for fresh forgiveness. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, that we can call you Abba. Thank you for the gift of adoption, that we can come to you just as we are, just messy kids, coming to a good father. Thank you that you're gentle, you're kind, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in steadfast love for us. And Lord, would you forgive us where we have pushed you to the margins of our life and our hearts. We've been totally content and fine without you in our lives. And Lord, would you give us the grace to chase after you again? Not because of some guilt or condemnation to be a good Christian, because we know that you alone have the words of everlasting life and that in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And may that truth cause us to gladly turn off our cell phones and to, to gladly close the laptop because you're so much better. And so we love you, Lord. We bless your name. We thank you that we we can come to you just as we are and receive the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins, the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus that we're, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, and that you can remove any obstacles that are in the way of our fellowship with you. So I just pray that you would do that this morning, God, that you would remove obstacles that are in the way of our fellowship with you and that for the remainder of this series, God, that we wouldn't just kind of try to open our ears and, and learn new skills, but we'd open up our hearts to you again. And we say, God, we want to know you.
God, I want to chase after you again. I want you in every detail of my life. And so we open up our hearts to you today and we say, Holy Spirit, please come. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. All right, well, um, quick commercial break before I dive into the sermon proper. Um, First thing I want to say is please take this sermon series as a whole and not in parts. Here's what I mean by that. This might be a new topic for some of you, the idea of God's voice and God speaking today. And so very well, uh, talk number one or talk number two might raise some questions that you have. Those, those questions that you have very well might be answered in talk number four or five. So just stick with us. If you've missed a sermon, they're built on one another. That's what we're hoping to do. So make sure you go and listen to those on our website or on the Apple uh, podcast. Secondly, here's the breakdown of um, our sermon series for the remainder of the month of January. Today we're going to be looking at hearing God in his word. We're going to be looking at the Bible, God's word. Uh, Next week we're going to be talking about the variety of ways that God speaks to his people outside of his scriptures. Angelic visitations, audible voices, internal voices, um, dreams, visions, so on and so forth. And most likely the interns preached in that one, so pray for them, all right? (laughs) And uh, after that, week number four, I'll be talking about prophecy. What is prophecy? Why is prophecy still for uh, today? How do we uh, actively uh, listen to God for the sake of other people in a way that actually is, is done in love and not uh, in other means or for other purposes? And lastly, um, talk number five is we're probably going to just be tackling the question, well, where do we go from here? Uh, and that's where I'll, I'll tie up all the, the loose ends and tie the sermon series together. And then the third thing I want to say is this. If the whole, uh, this whole concept of God still speaking today by his spirit immediately and directly to his people is a new concept for you, um, and the idea of God healing today, and all this is kind of fairly new. I can't think of a better resource to recommend than this book right here by Jack Deere. He's a former professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, just a, uh, a, a, an expert, if you will, in the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek and all this stuff. And this book right here is called Why I Am Still Surprised by the, the Power of the Spirit, Discovering How God Speaks and Heals Today, it's biblically rooted and grounded, and in this book, you will um, uh, just have, uh, I don't know, your mind blown away at how self-evident it is in God's word that God is still on the move and living and active by his spirit today. And it's a comprehensive yet accessible and also applicable to your life. And so we have a, uh, a book table in uh, the foyer there, and those are only $10. We have a stack of five of these bad boys on that table. And um, if you have a lot of questions about, you know, prophecy and, and healing and God's voice, would you please go and buy that book and start reading it? Because um, Jack Deere will answer your questions in a far better way and more comprehensive way than I can in, you know, 40-minute sermons over the course of this month. And this one's for free. So whoever wants it, you can come on stage. Not come on stage, but come up here. Whoever wants this book, you can raise your hand. I'll chuck it at you. Try not to hit anyone else. But you guys want it? Boom, there it is. Richard Sins. Call that little principle, ask and you shall receive. All right. So today we're, uh, we're diving into the topic of hearing God in his word. And I have two points, not three, for this sermon. Don't get your hopes up. It's still going to be long. All right. One, the first point is what is God's word? And secondly, how do we hear God's word? Now, quick disclaimer again. When I am going to seek to, to ask the question, what is God's word, I'm going, to, I'm going to miss some things. Entire libraries for the last thousands upon thousands of years have been filled answering that question, what is God's word? So I'm not going to be able to tackle everything, uh, but in the, I'm answering that question, what is God's word, in the framework of this topic. He is not silent. 
hearing God's voice. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. If you want more sermons on God's word, we've done a bunch at the transit. Go on our website. You can look them up. And I can also point you, if you want more information, uh, to other really good resources that I can point to, books and, and blogs, so on and so forth. So first question we're going to be tackling is, what is God's word? Well, if you've been in the church for a while, like one of the go-to illustrations that pastors use, and God bless us pastors, we need help, is, and I need help too, is, is um, as a pastor, is this, this is the, the, like the go-to one that I heard growing up, is the Bible is the car manual to life. And man, if you want to motivate people to read the word, oh, I can't think of a better. <laughs> what are you thinking, pastor? What do you mean? You mean that book that I've never opened and it's in my glove box? I don't even know what it is or what it's saying. Oh, that fires me up. I'm going to run to the glove box and learn about how to, whatever. You know, like, what are, you, what are we doing, right? But in a way, we know it's true, right? Because God's word is a revelation of who God is and, and who we are and, and, and what he's done in his son Jesus to bring us to salvation and bring undeserving sinners back to his home, back to his heart forever. And it's, it's a book full of principles to your life of how you can live a life that loves God and honors him and, and loves your fellow man. So yes, that's true, but it's not the only thing. God's word isn't a revelation of rules or principles. It's the revelation of a person. The Bible is God's love letter to humanity. It's his self-disclosure. It's his revelation to the world. And it's God making himself known. Why? Why the Bible? Why God's special revelation in his word? Why? Because he wants us to know him. He, he wants us to know him. And if, if God doesn't speak, if God doesn't reveal himself, we are walking in the dark and we are walking blind. We have no clue who God is unless God reveals who he is. And he's done that in his word. And the bottom line is this, is, is in any interpersonal relationship, the only way it is possible to truly know someone is to the extent that they make themselves known. Right? Any of you here, if you're married or, or dating, remember the first date? Right? The awkward yet exciting first date? Like, what's the purpose of the first date? The purpose of the first date is to gather information about the individual. Right? That's what it is. Right? And you're trying to give the best information that you can give. Like, you're trying to open up, and then there's this weird dance of, like, can we just be honest and real? You know, whatever. But what you're doing there on that first date is you're gathering invitation for the sake you're gathering information for the sake of an invitation into relationship. You're saying, I want to know what you're like, what you love, what you're passionate about, what you're pursuing in life, because I want to know what it looks like to follow you. I want to know what it looks like to be in a covenant relationship with you. Like Jen and I's first date, I met her one weekend in February at a Young Life uh, retreat center, and then I got her number with a crayon and a piece of paper because my cell phone, my flip phone didn't work. That used, the flip phones used to be like, 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 old school, and now, like, flip phones are making a comeback, which is awesome. So, so I, I, I dog on flip phones, but some of you are like, yo, check this thing out. Anyways, and then three days later, I'm driving four hours down to Blacksburg, and we have a first date. And um, in that first date, I got to, obviously, Jen and I grabbed dinner. We talked a lot, all this stuff, but, but what, in, in that first date, what I saw was when we went, and she's like, I'm not canceling my Young Life plans. She was a Capernaum leader. And so she's like, you're going to come with me my, with my Capernaum kids, which are college students with, with special needs, and we're going to go bowling, and we're going to hang out with them. And I saw her heart that she's, she's loving the Lord. She's serving the Lord also. So I got that information, and then we went caving with her friends afterwards. It was wild. And then on the way back, 
I was praying, and I was like, Lord, I, I think I'm saying yes to this invitation. The purpose of that first date, I'm gathering information. What are you like? She uh, made herself known. I made herself known. And then we're asking the question, am I moving forward with this relationship? This is the way J.I. Packer puts it in his book, Knowing God, when he's talking about God's word being both, in, both information and invitation. This book is also on our book table in the foyer. And I believe Knowing God is a must-read for every Christian. Um, it's really, really good, as you're about to see. He made us with the intention that he and we might walk together forever in a love relationship. But such a relationship can exist only when the parties involved know something of each other. God, our maker, knows all about us before we say anything. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. But we can know nothing about him unless he tells us. Here, therefore, is a further reason why God speaks to us. Not only to move us to do what he wants, but to enable us to know him so that we may love him. Did you guys catch that? To enable us to know him. Why? For the sake of invitation, so that we may love him. Therefore, God sends his word to us in the character of both information and invitation. It comes, I love this line, it comes to woo us as well as to instruct us. Not merely puts us in the picture of what God has done and is doing, but also calls us into personal communion with the loving Lord himself. That's, one of the, that's a really good quote on what God's word is. And that quote right there, if that truly is God's word, information and invitation, that surely motivates us to want to open this book and know this book and study this book because God meets us there. This is how we know who God is and what he's like. It's information on who he is, who we are, what he's done for us in his son Jesus, and what it looks like to love and follow and serve him. His word woos us and instructs us. And so in two amazing truths we learn here before we move on to point number two. One, God wants to be known by us. God wants us to know him. Because if we're honest with ourselves, you and I do not open up ourselves to those we have no interest in loving and knowing, right? For example, here knocking the door, see a dude with a name tag with a certain business. I have a lot of these guys in the new neighborhood I moved into. And man, like two months ago, I got sucked into this, like, I almost called the cops on this guy. Like, 45-minute conversation, he would just not leave. I'm like, dude, I'm not interested. I know all the things you're saying about my house is super old. That's offensive. Thank you. Needs a lot of work. <laughs> and then two months later, one of his other guys comes up, and he's like, we're doing business in the neighborhood. I noticed some stuff going on in your house. So what, you know, and I'm like, I, I gave him, like, a benediction. Go in peace. God bless you. You're dismissed. Close the door. You know, like... <laughs> Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm busy right now. I'm not getting sucked into I mean, they train these guys well. I'm like, I'm like, kudos, man. Like, I need to work for you guys. Like, you guys, uh, can you come prayer walk with me? Let me you know, like, <laughs> let me share the gospel with you, man, and, and activate you in evangelism. Um, here's the deal. I, I, they just want my money. I don't open my door. To, I don't open my house to them. I don't let them in the house. They're trying to scam me. I shut the door in their face. I don't open up myself, open up my home. God's heart God's heart to humanity is I don't want you far away. I want you as close to me as possible. And because of that, he reveals his heart. He reveals himself to us in his word and in his son. This is who I am. This is my posture towards you. Don't let anyone else, any other false God tell you otherwise. This is who I am. This is how I love humanity. This is your purpose in life. 
And in love, he gave us the precious gift of his word so they're not walking blind, but we can run full sprint right to his heart. And in addition to that, when our sinful rebellion created a separation between us and this God of the universe, then he gave us the gift of his son as a sacrifice for our sins to tear down that separation. The Lord just doing everything he can to remove all the obstacles in your life to make it as easy as possible. And obviously it's hard to follow Jesus, take up your cross, deny yourself, but he's clearing out all the clutter, all the obstacles, anything that would separate you. So all you have to do is say yes and turn and follow him. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. This is how much God loves us. He's shouting with a hoarse voice at humanity, I am a God of love and I want you to come home to me. He doesn't slam the door in our face. He actually opens that door and he cries out to everyone through his church to come in and feast at his table with him forever. So the first incredible truth is that God, if God didn't, if God didn't want you to know him and love him, there would be no Bible. He would be deistic. He would close the door. He'd slam the door in your face. Stay away from me. I don't want to hang out with you. Because he does, we have this book, Genesis to Revelation, inspired by the Holy Spirit through human authors. And the second credible truth is this, is that we can know God. It's not just that God wants us to know him, but that we actually can know God. This is the most amazing fact of Christianity, is that we can relationally know the living God. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says that the, the chief blessing of the gospel is not justification by faith, it's adoption. That you and I get to, the, the spirit inside of us cries out, Abba, we now have a father. And that adoption is irrevocable. Once a son, once a daughter, always a son, always a daughter. And the way we come to know God is through what he says, through his word. Thankfully, we don't have to guess which God is, is God. We don't have to guess what his character is, what he's like, what he likes, what he dislikes. We don't have to guess what we should uh, call him. We don't have to guess how we should live our lives to honor him and please him. He's given all of this to us in his word. Everything we need to find salvation in his son and to live for the glory of his son. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you want to know God and you want to hear his voice, look no further than your Bible. If this is his autobiography. He wrote it himself through the inspiration of human authors. And stated differently, it's impossible to know God and hear his voice if your Bible stays closed. It's impossible to know God and hear his voice if our Bible stays closed. If your Bible stays closed, you don't actually have an accurate picture of who God is. You don't get to just, we don't get to, to, to spin a wheel in our house and say, I think God's like this. No, he's, he's spoken. He said, this is what I'm like. Whether you like it or not, I'm holy and I'm just. I'm the judge of the earth. Every knee will, will bow and tongue confess that I'm Lord of the heavens and the earth. Oh, that's kind of harsh, condemning. Yeah, it's true. He's revealed it. And he's God of love and compassion. And he's slow to anger and he's bounding in steadfast love. And all those attributes meet in the person and work of Jesus and is shown most clearly in God's love for us and his justice on, and, his, and, his, and his hatred towards sin on the cross. And so I'll say this. If our Bible stays closed, we don't know who God is and we don't know accurately who we are. But going a step further, 
talking about our sermon series theme here, about hearing God's voice, going a step further, it could even be said that in a way, it's a slap in the face to God when our Bibles remain closed, and yet we're crying out for more revelation from God by other means. I'll say that again. In a way, I don't want to condemn anyone, but that needs to be said. It's almost a slap in the face to God when he's gone to such great lengths to give us his word. When our Bible stays closed, and yet we're crying out to God, God, just give me an angel, right? Give me a, a vision, right? If this is closed, when, 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 when God's given us his word, it's like a kid at dinner. I got three kids at home, six, four, and two, and you, you work, you labor to, to get them a, a delicious meal, the nutritious meal. Maybe you, you give them a little dessert on the side when mommy's not looking, you know, whatever. <laughs> and kid looks at the plate and they say, I don't want this. I'm not going to eat this. Give me some of the other flashy meals that I hear about. I don't want to eat this. And Jesus says in the desert, when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That this is our daily bread. This is our sustenance. This is the meal that every Christian is to, in gratitude, open up and say, thank you, God. This shows me the path to everlasting life. That Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are life. I'm not blind anymore. I'm not walking in darkness anymore. I know who you are. It's crystal clear. So uh, I had a, a seminary professor like five years ago or so in my Pauline epistles class. We we're looking at First Thessalonians. And he shared this story. And he was in the business world for a long time before the Lord called him into ministry and, uh, as a believer. And he was um, talking with a friend of his who was also a believer. And his friend had this big business decision that uh, he was, I think it was, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was two different jobs, two different scenarios that this guy could take. And he was talking to my professor, and he goes this, if God would just show me what his will is, I would obey it. If God would just show me what the right decision in the future is for this job or this job, I would obey him. Now, we're going to talk about how I think that's well and good. I think you should ask God for specific future decisions. I think that's totally biblical. But here's what my professor said, and it's a, it's a timeless truth. This guy was, was shacking up with his girlfriend at the time. And my professor, I'm pretty sure, if I remember the story correctly, he either told us that he told us this or that, would, that he would have said this. But he says, you want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Look no further than 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, which says this. For this is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. And, and follow, but you, you becoming less and less like your sinful, selfish self, and more and more like the person of Jesus and his selflessness in your life. And then it goes further that you abstain from sexual immorality. It says, why would, you, why would you say that you'll obey God in this decision when you're deliberately disobeying God in his clear, revealed will and his word? And the principle is this, you don't need a vision when you got a verse. That's the principle. You don't need a vision when you, when, you, when, you, when you got a verse. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And so by the power of the Spirit, Galatians 5 says, that you'll gratify the desires of the flesh unless you walk by the power of the Spirit. Yeah, cry out to God. Ask God to help, to, 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 to help obey, to live a life that's pleasing to him in the way that he's revealed. This is what pleases me. This is my will for your life. God in his grace hasn't left us blind, hasn't left us in the dark. His word is a lamp unto our feet to navigate this hard life, this difficult life. This is the way to salvation. This is, this is entering the narrow gate. There's a wide gate out there with a lot of YouTubers and, and social media influencers talking about what it means. This is the narrow gate. Enter here, follow here, 
that leads to salvation. It looks like death, it looks like a cross, but when you die, that's when you find abundant life in Jesus. And so because of that truth that God can be found here, God's revealed himself here, we want to be a people of the book. We want to be daily consuming it, uh, uh, memorizing it, meditating on it, talking about it when we gather in our community groups, uh, uh, when we preach from the scriptures after January, what are we doing? We're, going, we're not going into a sermon series on uh, seven uh, highly effective steps to your best you now. Sorry if that offends you. We're going into Ephesians. We're going to get in God's word. I want to give you what God wants, not what I want. And hopefully you want that too. Not pastors, Nick, latest and greatest you know, thoughts on whatever. No, you want God's word. We need God's word. God's gone to great lengths to give us his word. And so let's be a people that go to great lengths to get in his word. Okay, so that's what is God's word. And the second uh, topic we're going to be looking at is this. How do we hear God's voice in his word? Now, at first glance, the second point, you might be saying, that's an oxymoron. How do you not hear God's voice in his word? If God's word is where God has spoken, how do you miss God in his word? It's impossible. Well, that's not what Jesus says. John 5, 37 through 40. And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. He's talking to uh, uh, Pharisees. And these, these dudes memorize like the first five books of the Bible. And he says, you, his, the, the voice of God you've never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search, watch this line, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And what we see here is the tragic error of the Pharisees that Jesus is highlighting is they solely went to the scriptures as an end in and of itself. They didn't go through the scriptures to the living God. Does that make sense? They approached the word of God as an end in itself. They went to the scriptures, not through the scriptures to the heart of God. That, their error is our error as well. Instead of running after God, we run to the scriptures thinking that that is just an end in itself. And so it begs the question is this, is how do we not be like Shmuel from The Chosen? Right? Some of you got that reference. Say it differently. How do we not be like a Pharisee and miss God in the study of our word? Three points, and then I'm, then I'm going to conclude. First and foremost, we need to aim at connection in our daily reading plan in our Bibles. We need to aim at connection. Often you and I read God's word. We have a daily reading plan. Hopefully you do. I highly recommend the five-day reading plan. I'm doing that this year. It's a reading the Bible in a year. It's a five-day reading plan. Monday through Friday you read, and the people who crafted this are genius because they know Saturday and Sunday you're going to need to play some catch-up, okay? So five-day, look it up, start that. It's amazing. I, it's really been ministering to my soul these past couple weeks. And often we read our Bibles like we read through our emails, right? I don't know about you. I don't like writing emails. I don't like reading emails. And so, I mean, I, sometimes I set a time of the day when I'm going to read emails and write emails, and it's, there's a timer. And I'm like, I'm only giving 30 minutes to this, and I'm like, and I'm glossing over, right? Okay, first sentence, last sentence. Not to your emails, of course. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, all right? What we aim at is completion, not connection. That's what I'm getting at. We don't aim at connecting with the living God. We just want to be good Christians. Sometimes we, want God, we just want to get God out of our day because we got things to do. We got bills. To, we got money to make. We got diapers to change. We got food to make. So God, I just got it. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay, boom. Done. Yes. 
five minutes, I did it. Woo, thank you, God. All right, now I'm going about my day. We're aiming at completion rather than connection with the living God. We're aiming at information, not invitation. And the key to combating this mindset is understanding that you and I never read our Bibles alone. You and I get to read our Bibles as spirit-filled Christians, which is every believer is filled with the Spirit of God upon conversion, the Holy Spirit given to us, is present and available to help us understand God's Word and hear His voice through His Word. This is what Jesus says in the Upper Room Discourse to His disciples in John 14 about the Holy Spirit. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit described as the Helper, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to us. Isn't that a beautiful description of God's heart posture? God the Holy Spirit present with us. God being our ever-present help in time of need. How is God our ever-present help in time of need? Because the Holy Spirit is ever-present with us. And oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the helper. The helper who will come. Help us do what? Help us understand the way of life that Jesus has laid out for us. And what it means to give our lives to the Christ, the Messiah. And to live to make him known. Live for the greatness of his name. And not our own. And if that's the role of the helper, it'd be crazy for us to want to quench the Spirit and box out the Spirit as we read the book the Holy Spirit authored. Like we get to, how cool would it be, like imagine like your favorite book and your author, I'm not going to name books for you, but I was going to say Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, right? Where are my Lord of the Rings fans at? Yeah, 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 okay. Imagine Tolkien's got his pipe and and you're you're, you're sitting down and reading with Tolkien and he's going to, like that's a completely different reading of um, L-O-T-R than anything you've ever experienced. And so the key to stay connected to the Spirit in the Word is simply through prayer, is through fellowship with God. Uh, reading with my kids, I love reading with my kids, and um, I don't necessarily read books with my kids. They just hold a conversation with me throughout the entire time I'm reading a book, okay? <laughs> so like, once upon a time. Daddy, what does once mean? Okay, kids, well, once means, dang, what once, what does, uh, don't, don't worry about it. Okay, once upon a time, uh, <laughs> just ignore it. This is what's going on, right? Kids, they, they, they'll interrupt anytime, anyplace. Why? They're, they're kids. They know they're right. They're reading with their daddy, their papa. And so they're going to ask. They're going to pray. They're going to stay connected to their dad. They're not, they don't really, they don't care that much about the book. They want to, they want to cuddle up with daddy. They want to snuggle with daddy. And oh, by the way, the means to do that is through, through the book, right? We get to connect with God, and the way we do that is prayer. And so simple application before I move to point number two is we need to read before we open our Bibles. We need to uh, pray as we're reading our Bibles, and we need to pray after we're reading our Bibles. First Thessalonians 5, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing when you read your word. So before I open the word... Oh, word, if, if, if Nick's posture is a good heart and I'm not aiming at completion, I echo the prayer of Samuel, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. I don't want to miss you today in your word. Would you please speak? Open the word. All right, Lord, hey, what does that mean? Why did you say that, Jesus? Why did you, with that interaction with that person, why did you act that way? It was different, he, you know, just, just asking those questions and then listening and writing down what you think the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you in your time with him. And then after you read, pray. 
Don't just, don't just close your Bibles and, and, and go do something else. Reflect on what you just read. Prayerfully reflect. All right, God, I just read your word. To whom much is given, much is required. What are you inviting me into today? So uh, Psalm 148 earlier this week was one of the, the books, uh, uh, one of the chapters that we had to read for our Bible reading plan. And Psalm 148 is awesome. It's like this just praise rant. Praise him, you heavens above. Praise him, earth below. Praise him, you mountains, rivers, crickets, crocodiles. You know, like pra- everything that has breath, praise him. And me being the master level theologian I am, I'm like, oh, God. I just read him like, oh, my Lord, this is beautiful. Thank you for this. I love all the illustration. How does this a- apply to my life and the Hebrew, the sentence diagrams, I'm, you know, all this stuff. And the Lord's like, Nick, it's re- it's re- let me, it's, I honestly felt, I felt like I'm humbled by this, but I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit was, Nick, will, will you praise me now? It's like, oh, that's what that means. Like, this is actually how the world works. I was created, everything was created, above and below, to do what? To praise God. Am I, do I fit in that category? Yes. Am I going to praise God? So I felt the Lord say, close the Bible, play some worship music. I want you to praise me and reflect on my goodness to you. And that's what I did. Because that's what it means to get in the Bible. Why else are we getting in the Word if we're not willing to obey it? right? So pray before, during, and after. Listen and see the prompting of the Spirit through his word, what he's inviting you into. Secondly, let's change our expectations. Let's change our expectations just from God has spoken in his word to God is speaking in his word. That this isn't a dead book. This is a living book, Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active, Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. Why is God's word living and active? Because God is living and active. The author is living and active, and he is present, making this word come to life as we read it. So anytime we open this book, if you want to hear God speak, look no further than your Bibles. This is where God has spoken, but also where God will speak to you and cut you to heal you. Like, hopefully, a lot of us have these stories where time and time again, we're we're reading our scriptures, and all of a sudden, it's like the verse comes and smacks us across the face. And we know that we know that we know that God spoke directly to us through his word in that moment. And maybe in that moment, it was breaking off shame and condemnation not understanding our position as sons and daughters of the living God, no more shame, no more condemnation. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the Lord breaking off fear and anxiety in our life. Maybe it was the Lord bringing conviction in that. That cutting was bringing conviction of sins that we were walking in that we didn't think were that big of a deal. But when that moment happens, it's, it's, it's not necessarily just the book. It's the author, the Holy Spirit, holding the scalpel of his book And he's saying through his word, he's cutting us in order to heal us, in order to conform us into the image of God. And so what that means then, if that's true of God's word, then we can take it a step further and say, your sanctification is is impossible outside the word of God. That if you want to be conformed into the likeness and image of God, where does it say that God comes and cuts us and, 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 and searches our hearts? It's in the scriptures. It's in the word. So every time we gather and open his word, We're opening up our hearts and we're saying, search me, O God. Remove from me what needs to be removed. Encourage me where I need encouragement. Convict me where I need conviction. We're scheduling an appointment with the great great physician. And the the primary tool that the great physician uses for your sanctification is his truth, is his word, which is living and active. And because of that, we should be running after 
our Savior through his word. It's beautiful, the work he does, as his people get in his word. Third point, and I'll conclude. Let's study for the sake of consecration. Study for the sake of consecration. I am a Bible guy. Uh, I, I love the word. I um, have been talking with my wife about pursuing doctoral uh, degrees in, in, in theology, and she has put the kibosh on that very quickly, at least in this season. <laughs> so pray for us. Um, but uh, listen, I want to say this. You better believe that there is a place to study and to memorize God's word in your life if done in love and not legalism. There is a place for that. It is desperately needed in our life. The Lord says to love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. There is nothing wrong with loving God's word. There is nothing wrong with studying God's word. There is nothing wrong with memorizing his word. His word, <laughs> the Lord tells us to do that. It's needed. It's necessary. It's not legalism if it's done in love. Because you and I become expert scholars with the people we love, right? Like hopefully, if you've been married for a long time, you've grown to understand uh, your spouse's love languages a little better. When Jen and I were first married, I would just give her gifts, really expensive gifts. And her love language is shopping on sale and, and words of affirmation, okay? A, like, I was missing it. What I'm getting at is I was completely missing it. She's like, how much did you spend on that? Oh my gosh, like, did you at least, whatever, you know? And so I was like, and so now, um, Historically, I was just like, why? And I'm like, oh, she needs to write a card. And I'm like, I need to get my card writing game up. I've never written a card in my life. You can barely read my hand. Have you ever gotten a letter from me? Have you been like a volunteer? Like, it is awful. Like, Caleb's nodding his head. <laughs> like, yeah, I can barely read it. You need Google Translate for Nick's handwriting. It's awful. But if I truly love my spouse, I'm going to become an expert in what she has said about what pleases her and what displeases her. If I truly want to live to please her, I'm going to become an expert. Psalm, Psalm 119.11. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What we see there is there's effort. There's storing up. There's memorization. There's hours spent reflecting and memorizing, meditating on God's word. Why? Because I don't want to live a life that displeases God. That displeases God. And we come to God on his terms, not our own. We don't decide how God wants to be loved. That's actually living in rebellion to God. It's saying this is, this is what God wants. When God has clearly said, this is what I want. Come and follow me and live your life under the authority of what I have said. That this is my love language. This, this is how you can live a life that's pleasing unto me. And so therefore, if we want to live a life pleasing unto God, we'll go and we'll search his scriptures, we'll meditate his scriptures. Meditate on his scriptures so that we can live a life that honors him, that brings glory to his name, that shows the world what our God is truly like. And we find all that in his word. So if you and I love God, we will love his word because in his word he speaks to us clearly and consistently on how we can live lives to please him and glorify him. And therefore nothing would bring us more joy than to be a people of the book who meditate on it and study it and memorize it. So band, you can come on forward. I'm going to conclude with this. Um, and no, I'm not going to hold you up here 45 minutes. All right. Um, 
How should we respond to the revelation of God in his word? What's the appropriate response to the living God making himself known, revealing himself in his word? At the end of the day, we can have all the information we want from the word or maybe from the sermon, but will we say yes to the invitation that God is extending to us today? And so I'm going to conclude with John 21 verses 1 through 8, and we get a beautiful picture of what it looks like to respond to Revelation. In John uh, 21, there's this period uh, uh, in redemptive history where Jesus is resurrected but not yet ascended. And we have, I think it's 10 recorded instances in the scriptures where the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples. And we're about to read one of these instances. In John 21, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. If you, I'm not going to read the end of the story, but you know that Jesus has a fire and a feast ready for them on the shore. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! And watch this. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards what is the appropriate response to revelation look like, to the revelation of God? It looks a whole lot like Peter, where he says, the fish can wait, my friends can wait, my reputation can wait, my, my nice clothes can wait, I'm going to throw this on, my comfort can wait. I'm going to, he is, I love the verbiage. He didn't uh, gently uh, kind of get into, ease his way into the sea. It says he almost stumbled his way into it. He grabs his cloak, stumbles into the ocean. He's a hundred yards out. And he's, man, I mean, water splashing everywhere. I mean, Michael Phelps, right, on this. Just shoulders burning, hamstrings burning. And what Peter is saying, man, is I miss Jesus. I gotta have him again in my life. And I'll do whatever it takes to follow him. And he's on the shore. And he's called my name. And he has everything prepared. And so what's my response going to be? I'm not going to wait. Sorry, fellas. you got to clean the fish. I'm running. I'm swimming. I'm everything I have. Jesus given everything he has for me. So everything that I have, I'm coming for him. And so how are we going to respond today, 2023? What's it going to be a year of? What's it going to be a year of? Jesus, every day is on the shore of our lives, right? He's got, he's got a, a fire and a feast waiting for us in his word. And will we say yes to that invitation this year? Let's pray.
pray. God, and you've gone to such great lengths to make yourself known in your word and in your son Jesus to us. We can have salvation. We can have life abundant. We can have purpose and meaning and everlasting life. We're not blind anymore. And the greatest gift you've given us is yourself. And you haven't withheld yourself from us. And forgive us where we've withheld ourselves from you. Because that's not how you've treated us. You haven't withheld yourself. You haven't even withheld your son from us. And yet how often do we love to withhold ourselves from you? That privilege we come in and heal any condemnation or shame where we would like with Adam and Eve, we'd hide when we sin and run from you rather than run to you. And not open up ourselves so you think we're going to be rejected or receive condemnation rather than the embrace of our Father. So Lord, these next five weeks, Lord God, and even starting today, in this room right now, I pray, Lord, that you would hear prayers in the hearts of men and women in this room where they, where they say, Lord, you have not withheld yourself from me, so Lord, I want to not withhold myself and my heart from you anymore. I invite you into my heart. I invite you to every room, every dark, dark room, every room that I've shut off to you, and I want you to come. I want to know you and experience you in ways that I never have. So come, Holy Spirit, would you do that? And we thank you, Lord, that we're going into this week expecting you to move, expecting you to speak. We're going into your word. It's living and it's active. You're meeting us there. You've gone before us. You've got things to say to us. Beautiful truth to conform us and to comfort us, God. Why would we go anywhere else? You have the words of everlasting life. Let's shut off our phones. We can fellowship with the living God. So God, thank you for going into this week expecting you to speak in your words. And thank you, Lord, for all the ways that this year, as we uh, pursue you and seek you, that we know, Lord God, that you, you're going to do a mighty work in our lives. So we love you. We bless your name. We pray this in your name. Amen.